Matthew 7, 7 to 12. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if a son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how much to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Amen. Thank you, Jeff. Am I too loud? Is this okay? I can step back a bit. Yeah, too loud? No? I'm okay. I'm good. All right. Um, we're going we're gonna to look at these verses together um, over the next few minutes. And um, this is, you know, if you're, if you're jumping in with us this morning, uh, this is part of our series. We've been going through on the Sermon on the Mount, um, those three sort of three and a bit chapters in the Gospel of Matthew. And so today uh, we're going to be thinking about these verses um, under the, I suppose, the heading of faith-filled prayer, okay, faith-filled prayer. Um, and I, I hope that as we go through this, you'll, you'll understand that this is incredibly relevant for us as a church, very timely for us. I think, I think all of this stuff that we've been looking at actually has been really relevant and timely. I haven't chosen the timing. Um, God has. But uh, this seems to be very specific, I think, and very helpful. And hopefully that will be your conclusion as we're done. Faith-filled prayer. And we'll see three things as we go through these, these verses together. Uh, first, we'll see the stance of faith-filled prayer. Second, we'll see the source of faith-filled prayer. All right. And third, we'll see the community of faith-filled prayer. So the stance, the source, and the community. Here we go. The stance of faith-filled prayer in verses 7 and 8. Faith-filled prayer looks like this, according to Jesus. Ask, seek, knock. Uh, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll understand these terms together in a few moments, but there's a flow there. Right? Ask, seek, knock. There's like a, an increased intensity. We go from prayer, I suppose, to action. And I think as we understand what Jesus is saying here, um, it, it will hopefully grow our faith and grow our excitement uh, for prayer and what uh, God intends us to do with and through prayer. Okay, ask, seek, knock. So, what is asking? Um, I think we'll probably understand what it is to ask. To, that is um, to make direct requests to God. Okay, so so within that, even there's like a, a I suppose a, a confidence that is implicit in asking God for something. We're coming to God with a sense of confidence or boldness that He is someone who we can ask for something from. And Jesus goes on to say, ask and it will be given to you. And he says in verse 8, uh, he who asks, or the one who asks, receives. So, so right off the bat, in the stance of faith-filled prayer, is this invitation that God gives us to come and to make requests of him. Um, why, why are we to ask God, you know, why, why does... Why does God make us sort of jump through the hoop, so to speak, in asking and making requests? Um, 
That's a good question, but I, I think God requires us to ask him because it does something to us. It's not necessarily, uh, yes, it does something, I suppose, in the grand scheme of things, but it does something to us. Uh, it grows our faith when we ask God for something. It, it cultivates some sort of uh, reliance on him. It, it's growing us. Uh, when we ask and we come to ask with that sort of uh, growing confidence in, in asking God, it leads us to experience God in new ways. Um, God, 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 it almost appears to be that he sometimes wraps up good gifts and he, and he, and he gives them to us, but it's our uh, role uh, to take those gifts and unwrap them. Or, or to use another analogy, uh, it's almost as if God has buried in some ways blessing, much like a seed, and it's our sort of, uh, you know, our role, if you like, to sort of bring these things up. He's stored up good things and it's up, up to us to come to him and to ask. And so through this very first um, teaching on the stance of faith-filled prayer, it appears that God is saying, come to me, ask me, make a request from me. That's how Jesus is teaching we should approach God in, in prayer. Now just, just imagine for a second what, what might be stored up for you to receive by asking for it. And if you're not asking for something, you're not necessarily going to receive it. James writes, the, um, St. James, he writes, you do not have because you do not ask. And I wonder if that might resonate with you somehow or other. You do not have because you do not ask. So ask, first of all, Jesus says, that's the stance of faithful prayer. The second sort of um, step, I suppose, if you like, is seeking. Uh, we've got asking, who's making these bold and direct requests to God, but then we've got seeking, which, which implies, again, I think, an increased intensity in what we're doing. Uh, he says uh, in verse 7 again, seek and you will find. He, he goes on to affirm that again in verse 8, the one who seeks finds. Okay, so seeking uh, is, 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 is like asking, I suppose, in some ways, but it builds on that. It's, it's active. Um, we're actively searching out God. There is something about us in our approach to him that we must search out God and his good gifts. Um, isn't God everywhere? Yes, he is. Absolutely. Uh, doesn't God know what we need? Yes, yes, he does. But again, there's something about the action of searching out God that, that there's does something to us, you know, the stance of faithful prayer. Um, for example, this is not a new thing. Um, it, 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 it's, it's sort of littered throughout uh, the scripture. And we've got an example in, in Deuteronomy 4 on the screen behind me. Uh, God says to his people, or through, through, through Moses, seek the Lord your God and you will find him if you search after him with your heart and your, uh, uh, sorry, with all your heart and with all your soul. The people of Israel are instructed to search, seek, come after God. And we saw a few weeks ago um, in the teaching uh, in, in Matthew 6, Jesus again affirms that, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. There is a seeking, there is a searching out that, that, that should characterize the faith-filled prayer of a believer in Jesus. Just, just to reaffirm, it's not, it's not because God is far away and there's something in our sort of searching and scurrying around that, that brings him down, not at all. It's not that God therefore needs uh, woken up by our prayers, like a nudge in the shoulder to a sleeping God, not at all. But what he is requiring us to do, what Jesus is teaching, is for us to be seeking out God, his presence, his favor, this active, purposeful pursuit of God and his ways. 
I'm just think for a second or two about the, the best relationships that you have or you, you want to have. Um, the best relationships that we experience as human beings leave us with the desire for more. Right? We, we want more. We want to enjoy that relationship more. We want to delve into the benefits even more. We, we enjoy spending time with the person or people, whoever they may be. We search out. We carve out time in our diary uh, or in our you know, um, agenda for more time. Whether it's a romantic relationship between lovers, uh, whether it's child to, you know, parent to child, whether it's an incredibly rich and deep friendship between two people, there is a longing there in some form. There is a desire um, you want that relationship and you want it to work and to go deeper. And if that's the case between human beings, then how much more is that the case in the best relationship of all, that is between you and God? Uh, how, much, how much more hunger uh, should we have? How much more drive should we have? Uh, experiencing something of that richness, that enjoyment that, that he gives us, that, that satisfaction. Jesus says, seek and you will find. And the psalmist puts it another way. He says, taste and see that the Lord is good. There is a sort of taking in and, and receiving. And it seems to be that Jesus is saying here, that the more we ask, the more we receive. The more we seek, the more we will find. It's not that you might find. It's that seek and you will find. I mean, does, does this not th thrill you when you start to think a little about what Jesus is actually saying here in these verses? Um, maybe it wants, makes you want to go and try for more, and you think maybe that doesn't uh, define my prayer life as much as it, it should do. And, and yet we are coming to a God who is, is there. We're coming to a God who is ready to release blessing and gifts upon his, his church, upon his people, his position to show you his favor, he wants to give you good things, and so search for him. Ask. That's what Jesus is teaching her. Ask, seek, and the third, I suppose, part of the stance of prayer field, the faith-filled prayer, is, is knocking. You know, uh, rapping on the door, trying the handle. You know, when you're standing outside someone's door, pressing their doorbell or something, you're making your presence known, aren't you? You're saying, I'm here, and you're announcing yourself, and you're expecting the one who is inside the house to answer you and let you in. This is the stance that we should have when we come to God in prayer, according to Jesus. Again, it's sort of increasingly active. We've got asking, we've got this sort of seeking, uh, this, this, this uh, you know, desiring, searching out, and then, and then the knocking. It's more of an active thing, isn't it? It's, 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 it seems to be in that way, an active prayer or, or a prayerful action. It's hard to know which one it is. But, but knocking seems to imply actively trusting in God, laying hold of his promises, and then taking the next steps based on what he has told us. Jesus said, knock and it will be open to you. So there's no sense here that, that you can knock and be left out in the cold. Jesus always open, opens the door. He always grants us access to the Father. Guaranteed. This um, image of the door being opened is, is picked up quite a lot by the Apostle Paul in his letters and his, his uh, actions. And, uh, and for example, he writes to the Corinthians and he reports to them that a, a wide door of effective work has been opened to me. He's referring to the advance of the gospel. This door of effective work has been opened to me. 
Uh, likewise, he, he writes to the Colossian church and he says, pray for us, that is me and my apostolic team, pray for us that God may open a door for the word to declare the mysteries of Christ. Both times and, and, and multiple other areas as well, he, he is, he is, he is, he is linking the opening of the door with the advance of the kingdom. You know, the, the, the gospel going out, the gospel of Jesus going out, taking root, transforming lives. That's, that's, that's what he seems to be talking about. And so when we ask, when we seek, when we knock according to Jesus, doors will open. New, new advances in the, in the kingdom of God shall be experienced. We'll enjoy new experiences of God himself when we ask, seek, and knock. Deeper knowledge of God himself in a, in a very profound and heart-level approach. Your kingdom come. We, we, are, we have been learning about that. And Jesus is saying here, knock and it shall be opened to you. It's not that we have to convince God for success in the mission that he sends us on. It's that we are required to ask, seek, and knock, and trust that we will make ground because he is the God who he says he is. So the stance of faith-filled prayer is ask, seek, and knock. And that, 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 that can be a challenge and also good news for those of us who are sitting listening to that. Um, it can be a challenge for those who are passive in their prayer life. You know, when Jesus says, ask, seek, and knock, if you're passive in your prayer life, if you're passive in your faith, if you, if you think that, 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 that uh, being a disciple of Jesus uh, or being a Christian uh, is about coming to receive uh, um, alone, then, you're, then, then that's a passive form of praying, praying and a passive form of faith. It's a challenge to that, what Jesus is saying. There should be an active pursuit of God and his gifts. It's not that God doesn't want to give. It's just he is so wired up the, the supply of his gifts and grace that he wants us to come to him and deliberately ask and seek and knock. So it's a challenge to the passive. It's a challenge to those who are comfortable um, in, in, in their faith, uh, who, who, who maybe don't want to pray, ask, seek, or knock, because they don't feel like they need to, because their life isn't so bad after all. They have everything they need, or they feel they have what they need. And so they don't pray these things. So it's a challenge against that settled, and I'm just fine, thank you very much, way of thinking. We see that a lot around here in this area, don't we? It's a challenge to those who might be afraid of, of, of praying big prayers to God and, and being afraid that he might actually answer them, being afraid of the answers we might get, a, a wild or uncomfortable answer, an uncontrollable response from God. And so we prefer to stay comfortable and not pray those things. It's a challenge for all of those. But it's good news as well. What Jesus is teaching here in these two verses is good news for those who have never prayed these kind of prayers because Jesus is saying, if you ask, you shall receive. If you seek, you will find. If you knock, it will be open to you. It, it is a good news for those of you who have never prayed or never prayed with boldness and the confidence. And if that's you, and if you have never prayed these kind of prayers that Jesus is teaching, he says, and I say to you by the Holy Spirit, go for it, do it, pray with confidence. It's good news for you. It is good news if your prayers are vague. You know, oh God, we pray for, pray for blessing, we pray, we pray for good things. That, that's, those prayers are fine, but it's good news because we can be much more specific and definite in what we are actually asking God for here. It's good news if you, like me, have tried to pray big prayers and have a sense of failure. Uh, that you've asked for big things and you've become disillusioned or disappointed that God hasn't come through 
for you. You've been asking and seeking and you think you've been knocking and yet it's not come through. This is good news for you to keep pressing on. Don't stop just because you've had a bad experience or it didn't pop open in the way that you wanted it to or at the time you thought. It's good news. So when we understand what Jesus is saying in these two verses, I think it excites us, doesn't it? It it drives us to go deeper, to desire more for what God has for us as a church, what he has in store for you. The stance of faith-filled prayer. Second thing these verses then teach us is is the source of faith-filled prayer. Um, Where does it come from? Uh, Going from the stance to the source just takes us deeper. And Jesus in verses 9 and 10 here, um, and 11, uh, is referring to to the normal human experience. He says in verse 9, if your son uh, asks for bread, who's going to give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, who who among you is going to give him a serpent, a snake? We get that, don't we? Whether whether you're actually a parent or not, you, you know no one does this. Well, no one in their right mind does this anyway. Um, we, 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 we say no one. No one does this. And we, we know uh, in general, maybe from personal experience, but in general, parents are inclined to give good things to their kids. Right? Uh, parents want the best, by and large. They want the best for their kids. They want, them, uh, they, they want what is healthy for them. Right? They, they want what is good for them. They want what is going to bless them. And Jesus says in verse 11, look, if, if you understand this and you're evil, it's this word in verse 11, and yet you know how to good, give good gifts to your children, he says, how much more will your heavenly Father give good things to those who ask? Okay, the comparison is clear, isn't it, in what he's saying there? I mean, did, he's saying that despite all of our evil, our sinful, our messed up lives, our dysfunctional parenting, we're still able to give, right? We still know that as parents, you know, parents in general, we we should provide and bless and delight our kids. And we try and do that and and, and often we fail, but that's, that's our intention. How much more, says Jesus, can our heavenly Father, who is completely good and loving and kind and pure and just and holy, how much more can that God, our Father, give us the best things, the good things, the greatest gifts? It pleases his heart to give to his children. This is the God that we have. It delights his heart to give to supply good things for them. Often, he'll give us more than we ask. Right? The Father, uh, says, says the Apostle Paul, is able to do far more abundantly than we can ask or imagine. He is our Father because we are his children, because we have been adopted by him. All right? This is the Gospel. We've adopted, been adopted by him because he, he chose us to show us favour. He, he gave us his son who went to the cross so that in some way, by grace, we may share in his sonship. He sends his hope. The spirit of the son, says Romans 8, is given to you. The spirit of adoption by which we cry, Abba, Father. Right? So, so through the gospel, through faith in Jesus, you are made into a child of God. That's why he is your father. 
Not just our father that we talk about, but he is your father. That is how you relate to God primarily, as your father. And as such, because of Jesus, because of the gospel, your father in heaven is delighted with you. And so when you as a child of God come to ask and to seek and to knock, this is the one to whom you come your heavenly Father, who has not withheld his Son from you, how much more will he give you everything that you need? Does that not inspire confidence in your prayer life? Let's spend a few moments thinking about this even more and pushing, pushing more deeply into this, because I think this is really important. Maybe just clear a few things out of the way as well as we go. What does it mean that we get everything we ask for? Because it says in verse 7, ask and you'll be given to you. Seek and you will find. I remember as a young boy, probably about eight or nine years old, I was really into Technic Lego. And I remember I had quite a few sets, but there was a competition I wanted to enter. And, you know, you send off your information, whatever, and you might get selected to win a Lego set. And I thought, right, I'd heard somewhere in Sunday school, probably along the line, ask and you shall receive. So I thought I'd put this to the test. And so I thought, as an eight or nine-year-old, um, I, I would give it a go. And so I spent what I thought was the whole night praying to God that I would win the Lego set on the competition. The reality was it was probably about 10 minutes of you know, earnest prayer before I fell asleep or gave up. Uh, but I was praying. I was like, oh, God, please. You know, you said, um, and guess what? I didn't win it. Um, sorry to disappoint. Didn't win it. The chances were slim at the best. Didn't win it. But I asked and he didn't give it. Does that mean that these verses are therefore somehow invalid? Does it mean that we can ask anything of God and he is compelled to give it? Because these verses do say, ask and you shall receive. So if I ask for a million quid, does God have to give it to me on the basis of verse 7 and 8? If you ask for a new house, does he have to give you a new house? What about a clean bill of health? What about a car parking space the next time you're driving around Tesco and all the good spots are gone? Oh God, give me a car park. Does he have to do that? What about success in your career or favor in some general term? Does he have to do all these things? Because it says in verse 7, ask and you shall receive. Well, the answer is no. He doesn't have to. Uh, by the way, it's not wrong to ask for any of these things, even a car parking space in Tesco. It's perfectly valid and, and, and you know, not a bad thing. But do, the question is, do we always get everything we ask for? Because it says, ask and we shall receive. And the answer is no, we don't always get everything we ask for. We've, we've been seeing, haven't we, that God is our Father. He, he, he dwells in purity of light. He, he is flawless. He is the best dad we will ever know. And so, so if you're a parent here, or grandparent, or even as you were growing up as a child in your own experience, you will know that some of the things that are asked of a parent are not always good, okay, or not, not asked at the right time, or it's just pure unsafe. You know, Dad, can I play with fireworks? No, you cannot. Um, can I have some snacks before dinner? No, you cannot. Um, can I walk to school on my own? No, but maybe when you're a bit older, when you're ready. God is the best dad and he knows what you need he knows what you want he knows what will thrill your heart he sees what you cannot see he sees the end from the beginning 
He sees how an answered prayer may affect other people and have wider ramifications than you or I will have any clue about. He knows the impact that that thing we ask may or may not have down the line. He can see all that. We can see none of that. He's a good father. So ask and you shall receive, but because he is a good God, some of the things that we're asking for are maybe just not the right timing, just stupid, harmful, we don't know. But yes, God is a good father. So, so again, maybe that points us then a little further down the line. How then do we know what to ask for? If it's not the car parking space and a million quid and a new house and a clean bill of health, these things are good. But what, what is it that we can pray with certainty, knowing that God will give us good things? Uh, we have a verse here from 1 John, one of the letters of the Apostle John. It says this, This is the confidence that we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. According to his will, underscore that, put it in bold. That's the bit. What does it mean, according to his will? Because if we figure that out and then we ask, we shall receive that thing. Uh, one, of, one of the Bible commentators on this section, D.A. Carson, uh, su- suggests that those good things, these good gifts that we're talking about here in verse 11, are all the things that Jesus has been laying out in the Sermon on the Mount already okay all the things all the qualities of a disciple all the blessings of the kingdom d.a carson says these gifts are yours through prayer ask seek knock what are those good gifts what are those good things that in the context of the sermon on the mount jesus has been speaking and teaching about where you can go back and listen to all the previous sermons and and, and figure it out. You can go back and read it and and jot them down. There are loads, but let me summarize one or two of the amazing things that Jesus lays out. Belong to his disciples, but they are yours through prayer, through asking, seeking, and knocking. Jesus says, way back at the start, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That is yours through prayer. And just to be clear, at the start of our relationship with God through faith in Jesus, yes, we are saved. Yes, we are given the gift of faith. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for that. That is ours. But do you get everything on day one? No, you do not. There is a progressive laying hold, a growing into, a receiving, a maturing in the faith. And so that's why he is saying, ask and you shall receive. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You can enter, you can experience, you can enjoy even more and more and more of the kingdom of heaven by asking, seeking and knocking. That is yours through prayer. Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Do you need to be comforted with the love of God? Ask, seek and knock, says Jesus. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be satisfied would you like to know more of what it is to be satisfied in god that he is your all in all and you don't need to look at any other forms of love or affirmation ask seek and knock blessed are those who uh, um, are, are merciful they should receive mercy that's yours that experience that knowledge of mercy is yours through prayer uh, forgive as we forgive others that's yours through prayer blessed are those who are poor in spirit Sorry, not poor in spirit. Blessed are those, uh, where is it? Pure in heart, for they shall see God. 
That is yours through prayer, through asking, seeking. God, we want to see more of you. Yes, it might refer to something that happens in the next you know, age and the realm to come, but, 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 but Paul teaches, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. That's something we do now in this life. You want to see more of God? Ask, seek, and knock. Jesus says you are the salt of the earth, you are light to the world. Ask, seek, and knock. The, you, your, your impact for Jesus, your influence for him will shine brighter, will have more uh, waiting, that you will shine more brightly for Jesus. If you want freedom from anger, ask, seek, and knock. He teaches that that is yours. A calmed and settled heart towards all people. That is yours through prayer. If you want a rich marriage, Jesus teaches on marriage here. Faithfulness, commitment, and joy. Ask, seek, and knock. If you want to enjoy God's favor as you give to the poor, ask, seek, and knock. It's all there, folks. Daily bread, material uh, needs being met. Thy kingdom come. Lead us away from temptation. Deliver us from evil. That's all yours through prayer. It's like this luscious fruit on this tree. And Jesus is saying, come, take and eat. These good gifts are yours. Ask, seek, and knock. Listen to this carefully. God is not going to say no when you ask for these good things. He's not going to say no when you ask for that. It's all of God, all of the Father, and as his adopted child, he is delighted to give you good things. They are yours to lay hold of. Okay, the stance of faithful prayer, the source of faithful prayer, the, the heart of God. Thirdly and finally, then, the community of faith-filled prayer. That's us. Uh, let's read verse 12 together. Uh, so whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. It's the golden rule. You may have heard it called that. Um, in other words, Jesus is teaching that we must behave and act or even think about others in such a way that we wish they would do to us. It's kind of a universal ideal. I don't think you'll find many people in the world who would disagree with that teaching of Jesus. Others maybe, but not that one. Do unto others as you would have them do to you. That's how it's often stated. And in some ways, this idea is not especially unique to Jesus of Nazareth. Um, you can find similar sentiments, similar sort of maxims, if you like, uh, from Confucius, some Stoic philosophers from ancient Greece, intertestamental Judaism. Many people have said something, but they are always, this is interesting, they are always stated in the negative. Okay, so don't do to others what you don't want them to do to you. They always state it in the negative. Jesus is the only one who states it in the positive. So, so the, the negative says, avoid doing bad stuff to people. But this, in the Sermon on the Mount, we have seen through Jesus' teaching is not enough to just stop doing bad stuff, to stop thinking bad thoughts. Jesus turns it all upside down. He turns it inside out. He says we must go out of our way to do good things to our fellow human beings, starting with the community of faith and then extending to all people, to our neighbors. 
And according to Jesus, this is a summary. He said, this is the law and the prophets. That's sort of shorthand version for all of God's requirements as written down in the Old Testament writings. If you want to obey God's law, do unto others as you would have them do to you. That's a great catch-all sort of statement, isn't it? It's a sort of, uh, you know, if you're, if you're trying to make a decision, no matter how big or small it may be, um, it's, it's a great way to make a decision. If you're, if you're considering a certain action, whether it's just something you're going to say to someone in the heat of the moment, or a major life-changing decision, do unto others as you would have them do to you. And filter it through that, and you can't go far wrong. The golden rule. But why is it here? It's kind of a standalone thing. In theory, it could have gone anywhere in the Sermon on the Mount, not least anywhere in the Gospel of Matthew. Why is it here? I mean, in other words, how, how does the golden rule connect to verses 7 through 11? Ask and you shall receive. We've just been thinking about that. And we've been thinking about God as the delighting, loving Father who loves to give good gifts to his kids. How does the golden rule Mesh with that. Well, I am willing to bet that all of us in this room have read those verses, verses 7 through 11, and we've read them individualistically. That is, we've read them thinking of ourselves. So, so in other words, I, I think what's happened is when we're thinking of the concept of asking God, we're thinking to ourselves, what should I be asking for myself? Or when it comes to seeking, you've probably been sitting wondering what you can seek God for, for yourself. Or, or knocking, what, what should you be doing now? How can you press in to see breakthrough in your life? That's probably what you've been doing. And I, I reckon... That's fairly widespread. And that's often how, you know, because that's how we think as, as Western people. Um, the individual comes first, right? That's not necessarily a bad thing. But often we're stuck in that gear. And we don't, we don't sort of slip out of it. We don't change gear or move up a gear. Verse 12, whatever you wish others would do to you, do also to them. If you attach that, as Matthew has done, to this section on prayer, it flips the whole thing, ask, seek, knock, it flips it all on its head. The golden rule, I think, pushes us further than just praying these things for ourselves. It pushes us to becoming a community of faith-filled prayer, not just people who do faith-filled prayer on their own. See what I mean? So, so when we ask or seek or knock, what I think this is pushing us towards is thinking as a church, how do we do this for one another? How do we do this together? How do we ask and keep on asking on behalf of other people? How do we seek the Lord together as a church? Right? How do we knock looking for opportunities as one group? We go from the personal and individual, which is not bad or wrong, but to the community, the body. And it's not either or, okay? It's not like we have to choose, but it's both and. Let's just get the balance right. 
So think back for a second or two about that, that list of good things from this very brief list of the good things from the Sermon on the Mount. There's so much more you can get. How do we ask these things for other people? Um, daily bread, material need. How do we ask that for other people in our church? For a rich marriage. How do we seek the Lord for, for that, for other people? Satisfaction in God that displaces the need for satisfaction anywhere else. How do we pray that into people? The person next to you or behind you. How how do you pray that into the person that you serve with week by week? You know, I I think think it feels amazing to be part of of a community of faith-filled prayer, to have people who are willing to ask and seek and knock with you and for you. That's, that's why this series is called Life Together. Okay, it's not just life on my own as a group. It's life together. And so I think when we start to see that we are a community of faith-filled prayers, and faith-filled prayer boosts our prayer confidence. You know, we're not battling our lives alone We are joining together and forming a battalion, right? We're together on mission, coming to our Father with increased boldness and confidence that he will give us good things. And we come together as his people and say, Father, we are your children. Show us your favor as you have promised in your word, as Jesus teaches us. We seek God together, right? We worship him together. We follow and read the Bible together. We pray together. When you are down here in the community of faith-filled prayer, there will be others who can lift you up, who can bless you, who can instill faith and confidence in you. And when you are up, you will be able to help others who are down by the same method. We've been putting this to practice, haven't we, over the last few weeks together as a, a little church, praying at Clarewood, and we've been praying together in some ways. We've been praying, oh God, guide us. We've been praying, O God, thy kingdom come. We've been praying, O God, help us to be salt and light. May we be light in the world. We've been praying, O God, open doors for us. We've been knocking through prayer. We've been doing this, haven't we? And he's been doing that. We've been asking open doors, and he has been opening doors. Just one or two, but they're starting to open. And he's been steering us. He's been granting us opportunities, options, the door of faith being opened to a new community. Connections are being formed. That's what it's like to be part of a community of faith-filled prayer. And so let me just challenge you towards the end here. I I, I want to say clearly that... I am convinced that there are wonderful opportunities for us ahead. But I am also convinced through this teaching that, that, that many of them are hidden from us at this stage, that they are somehow stored up. And yet through these words of Jesus, I believe we are being invited to come to him to ask for more. And so what we are seeing and experiencing as we pray and as we seek the Lord is very much the first step. And I think that as we go further as we engage more in this as being the community of faith-filled prayer the more we increase our faith and growing confidence god will be pleased and delighted 
to reveal himself and his purpose and his will. He will grant fruit. He will fling open the doors of opportunity for us to present the good news of Jesus in, in word and with deed. So my final encouragement to us here at Foundation, especially if you call Foundation Church your home, is keep praying. What we have begun, keep going. Keep asking for good things. Because there are huge, is huge warrant in these verses to ask God, to seek God, to knock, and the door will be answered. Let me end with the famous words of William Carey, who's considered to be the father of modern missions. He says, expect great things from God. Attempt great things for God. Amen.